Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. You do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, now counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know 
who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for, for your word. We thank you for, for the letter of 1 John, and we thank you that through it, Lord, we can hear about uh, how we're called to live under you as the God who is light and the God who is love. Help us to consider now, Lord, as we get into chapter 2 and 3, thinking what it looks like to live in Christ, knowing that, knowing that this is how you've called us to be as children of yours. We do pray this now in your son's name. Amen. I actually want to start today with the video clip. Let's hope it works and the sound works. We're going to play it now. War is always bad, specifically for the planet. If we want to continue uh, fighting battles like environmentally conscious humans, we must make the change to sustainable tanks and weaponry. There are so many new concepts for our battery-powered fighter jets that can carry many more um, missiles, biodegradable missiles, of course. Something literally everybody can do to stop this nonsense is, for example, block the roads to gardens and farms so the plants don't get overrun by these heavy, heavy tanks. Hand grenades, very important. If you use hand grenades, please use vegan grenades. No animal should have to give their life for all this mayhem and chaos. They have a special sticker on them. You really can't miss them in the uh, grenade market or wherever you buy them. Yeah, I cover all of this and more in my newest book, Vegan Wars. All right, all right. So for those who are watching, there was a clip I just showed of um, Greta, Greta Thunberg, uh, this, the social activist, uh, environmental climate change activist, uh, talking about how we should consider, with war at the moment, consider how we can care for the environment with things like biodegradable missiles and vegan grenades. Now, I watched that, and I don't know how you guys feel about it. Were you guys thinking, oh, yeah, we should think about the environment, think about, you know, missiles and grenades and vegan grenades? And all. Were you thinking that? Or were you thinking, this has got to be a joke? Yeah? Good. Because it is a joke. It is just a funny video that I found of Greta Thunberg, and it was, it's fake. It's AI. It's been edited. And it seems really real, doesn't it? It's not, it's not real. It's fake, but it seemed really real. I watched it. I was like, I need to read the comments. Is this? Is everyone thinking what I'm thinking when I was when I was watching this clip on uh, on social media? It's scary, isn't it? It's scary, but this is the internet today. And while most of the time fake news can be a bit of satire and harmless fun, like this is meant to be, there's information sometimes spread that can really do some damage, huh? Videos and articles that aren't even, uh, aren't even about misinformation, it's, it's disinformation now. Media that is intentionally incorrect to raise suspicion and doubt. And I'm reading about this a lot when it comes to, uh, to the war in Gaza at the moment. Right? We have to question what the images we're seeing and what we're getting it, where we're getting it from. Uh, the, the issue was a big deal a few years ago as well when you uh, thought about the elections in the U.S., which is also coming up again uh, in the next year or so. Uh, the articles that are coming out, the algorithms, uh, what we're getting, what the images we're seeing, the information we're getting, uh, it's shaping people's opinions. It's shaping people's thoughts, essentially having the power to, to sway people's votes. I think some of that was probably true with the referendum in Australia as well, disinformation going out to shape people's thoughts, and we don't even know whether it's true facts or not. Just like watching this clip of, of Greta, Greta, you know, Greta talking about vegan grenades. It's ridiculous, 
but some people might believe it if they don't fact check. It's scary, isn't it? It's scary what we're seeing and reading online. It has the power to lead people astray. We need discernment, don't we? We need to fact check. We need to navigate our way through the lies and hold on to what is truth. You know, and I think about this stuff, and I think about the church, because I'm a pastor, and we're here at church, and this is why we're gathering, and we look at the church, and we need to think about what are we being taught about in church? What are we being taught about when it comes to Christianity? There is today so much around us that's false and misleading information, that's leading people astray, leading people away from Christianity, leading people away from the truth. And while, yes, it might be in cults and false teaching in churches, often it's more subtle sometimes the simple temptation and lie that what we hear, that that, that life is better without Jesus, that you're missing out on fun and pleasure if you choose to live the Christian life, we hear this stuff. And we also hear that we can can commit sin and live in sin and still be a Christian as, as if that's right, as if that's true. How can we stay on the right path? We call Christianity good news, yet we're tempted to think there's better news in a life without Christ. That's what we're told often. And the good life we're told by the world is one without God, and it's so alluring. What we believe, right, will shape how we live. So what are the voices we're listening to as we live out the Christian faith? That's what I want to ask ourselves today. We got this letter today that we're reading the Bible by the Apostle John, one of Jesus' close followers, and he's writing to the church in his time to warn them of this very issue. In John's day, the church had to work out what voices to listen to as they navigate the Christian life because there were people in the church leading people astray. He addresses firstly what or rather, or rather what isn't a true believer. And so verse 18 to 19, uh, if you have your Bibles, you, you should follow along with me. I think I do have it on screen as well, so you can follow along here. Uh, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, Even now, many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. You see, what he's saying, we're living this last hour that John speaks about. It's a period that many other parts of the Bible refer to as the, the, uh, the end times. You could say the, the, the time between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming. This is the last hour that we're living in. And during this period of time, it will be marked with people who are false teachers in the church. Jesus talks about it, and John here is talking about that as well. They will stand up and they will speak against Jesus, speak against Christianity, They'll, uh, and the church will have to stand up firm amongst uh, oppression. And so for John, living in these last days, the last hour is evident as there were people already in the church that were once part of the church family who have now twisted the message of the gospel, who are now living in ways that is very anti-Christian. So he uses this term, anti-Christ, anti-Christ, which literally means against Christ, people who are against Jesus. Now, when we hear that word anti-Christ, what do we immediately think of? The stuff that we see in the movies, right? The Antichrist. You know, the, 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 the child that's possessed by the devil, labeled the Antichrist. Or that dark supernatural stuff that, where well, you need a Catholic priest to throw holy water at it. That's what we think of when, usually, the horror movies. So that's what we think about when we think of the Antichrist. And then you also see stuff online. Never Google Antichrist, okay? Because the stuff you find is wacky, really wacky stuff. You know, conspiracy theories of people like Oprah's the Antichrist, Donald Trump's the Antichrist, famous, famous people being labeled the Antichrist. But John isn't saying that here. 
Yes, there may be a day where if you look at the Bible, it talks about how there'll be the Antichrist will rise up. John speaks about that there as well. But he's talking about Antichrist. There's a plural, a group of people here who have the spirit of this Antichrist who is against Jesus. And we'll hear more about this in, in, uh, in chapter 4, actually, wondering. He comes back to this idea. But today, for, for us, all we need to know is that these are the people leading people away from God. They're against Jesus. Verse 19 tells us that these people were once people of God as well. That's alarming, isn't it? They called themselves Christians once upon a time. But now they've left God, they've left the church, and they're leading people astray with them. John is saying that just, this just shows because they've left God, because they've left the church, and now they're against Jesus, it shows they were really never part of God's people in the first place. Because there are, there are uh, multiple places in the Bible, and when you think about how God saves us as Christians, there's multiple places where it says God, God will carry us through. God finishes the work He begins in the heart of a believer. If we truly belong to God, we can't lose our salvation because God will carry us through. The simple truth in this instance for John's church is that because they started preaching a message that was anti-Jesus, anti-Christ, and they left the church, it's a sign they were never truly a true believer in the first place. Now, we ask this question all the time, don't we, of our friends, of people we know? Uh, was, is my friend actually a, a Christian? Was, were they a Christian at all? My heart breaks every time I see people who were once part of this church family leave the church and denounce their faith. It breaks my heart. Either they do it by word or by action. You might have had that in your own life, and you're asking this question, is, was my friend truly saved? Was their baptism legit? I witnessed them practice their faith. I saw them make real efforts to love Jesus and love people. Were they truly saved? My answer to that was, well, only God knows. I don't know the answer to that. But the Bible does give us some direction. There are two ways we could see this. It could be this truth here that John is sharing with us, that they never actually belonged to God in the first place, that their hearts were truly never changed. It was just a facade. It's just a veneer. Or the other option that Jesus teaches about is that sometimes we wander far away from God at times. We're like lost sheep that need to come home, like the prodigal son. There are times when we wander far from God, but God brings us back eventually. And I know some of us here in the room, we've been there at times, even if it's in small ways when we went off track I know for some of us here who were actively involved in church as a young adult or a teenager, you got baptized, you were living the Christian life, and then through your uni years or your working life, you walked away from God, you struggled with being a believer, you fell away from your faith, and your heart deceived you, your, your friends or the world lured you away from God, you didn't think God was important anymore, but then years passed, and now you're here, now you're back at church, and you're learning what it means to truly follow Jesus. You see, the only reason why you're back here is because God brought you back, because of God. Like, this is what the Bible talks about. There are those different ways of seeing how we, we see our salvation. Sometimes we were never truly believers at all. Other times, we're just wandering far from God, and God is going to bring us back. We don't know with our friends at times. We don't know with ourselves sometimes, but our response is the same, isn't it, with our friends? We still got to persevere and bring them the good news, right? We want to help them see that truth. God still loves them and God wants them to come home. But for us to in the church, we need to be discerning of those voices. We need to be discerning of those false teachers. Uh, it might be someone at a shopping center. I've heard this happen before to one of our members. They, they approached her and asked her if they want to join a Bible study. And, and she was, oh, this is really interesting. I'm a Christian. They're a Christian. 
found out there, it was a cult, you know? And so those are the sort of things that are happening today. Sometimes it happens on social media. It happened a lot during COVID. I don't know if you guys got messages. I did. You know, oh, I see that you're a Christian. Hey, we've got this online Bible study, worshiping God sort of session. You want to join along? And you look into it, you research it, and you find out they're part of a cult. It happens. It's happening more and more. The, the sort of false, false news, fake news that are infiltrating the churches today. And that happens. I was in Sydney when I lived there a few years ago, um, 10 years ago now, and someone door knocked and, and they started reading the Bible to me. And I was like, this is great. Oh, this is nice. And then they started telling me how God is father and God is mother. And this is the parts of the Bible that tell us about that. And they were using these Bible verses so out of context. And I was in Bible college at the time, right? And I was really arrogant. And I started pleading with them. I was like, oh, you guys got to get this right. If you guys don't get this right, this is going to change the whole way you see Christianity and God. God is not mother. God is father. But, you know, we're the church. We're the bride. And I was trying to explain. I was begging them. I was like, you have to get this right. Don't, don't walk away from here without getting this right. And they just smiled at me and then walked up and said, oh, no, no, thank you. No, th-. I was the one evangelizing them <laughs> as they were knocking on my door that day. But sometimes these are the voices we need to discern. But not only that, there are other voices that are more subtle. And sometimes it's the Christian friend at church. Sometimes it's the Christian friend who says, well, you know, the way I see God is he wants me to be happy. So he won't mind if I pursue this lifestyle. God wants you to be happy too. Just do whatever you want. God wants me to prosper, so I'll idolize my career and wealth. God says he wants me to be loved, so I'm going to find love in the arms of my non-believing partner. Sometimes we hear or see this happening in church and we think, oh, is that what Christianity means? Oh, is that what, I, I, you know, is that what Christianity looks like? Modeling a Christianity that is far from what Jesus teaches in the Bible. We see that, we hear that, those voices, and we end up going down a path that is ultimately leading us astray from Jesus. Friends, we need to be discerning of these voices around us. Just like the fake news we come across online, we need to be discerning of those who are sharing a message of the gospel that is simply not the Jesus of the Bible. You see, for John's case, it was clear that this group of people leaving the church weren't true believers. They were denying Jesus as the Christ, and by denying Jesus, they were denying God. And so verse 20, I have this on the screen, it says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do, you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You see, it's all about Jesus, isn't it? For us to be a Christian, to be a true believer and part of God's people is to be able to profess Jesus as the Christ. He says the believer, the church, the people he's writing to, we have an anointing, which is really John's way of saying we have a Holy Spirit who points us to the truth. Jesus is the Christ. For us to be wise and discerning then as Christians is to, to tap into that, to know that, to be aware of that, but to hold true to who Jesus is. Him being the Christ means that he is our Messiah, our Savior. No one else, nothing else can save us. And that means... If, if you're new to Christianity, that means He saved us from our sin, the sin that separates us from God, that we at the heart of our humanity, we, we rebel against God. We reject His rule. We, we reject His reign over our lives. And sin means that we deserve rejection from God because of our sin. God, we can't be in His presence. He's holy. We're not. 
And that's why sin separates us from Him. We need a Savior, someone outside of us who is perfectly holy to save us. That was Jesus. Jesus came to be our Christ, our Savior, and He did that by dying on a cross for us. As the good news says, that through faith in Him, by His grace, our sins could be forgiven. The great substitute so that through His death and His resurrection, we can receive now eternal life and an eternal relationship with God, with God the Father. You know, see, this is why He's saying when we know the Son, we know the Father too. See, the Christian faith is centered upon Jesus the Christ. It's all about Jesus. Christ isn't His last name, if you're wondering. It's Jesus the Christ. You know, it's all about Him. It's why our vision statement here at church is loving Jesus. It starts with that. It's why uh, earlier we announced we have this course here called Coffee and Jesus. We want you to get to know Him. He's at the center of our faith. We aren't here to give you a version of God that we, sim- we simply conjured up in our minds. We're not here to give you a version of God that suits our lifestyle or who we think God should be. We want you to get to know Jesus from the Bible. And when you get to know the Son of God, Jesus, you get to know God the Father as He reveals Himself to us. You see, for the Christians here, I hope that when we share about God too, we're, we're unashamed to say it's Jesus who's our Lord and Savior, not some unknown God. You know, when we say we believe in God, that can be so ambiguous today, but we believe in Jesus. We want to proclaim His name on the rooftops. Jesus brings us salvation and into a restored relationship with God. He's at the heart of the gospel, the good news of great joy, peace, salvation. It's come through Him. We can't stray from that truth. We can't deny Him. And you know what? Because He's Christ, that word also entails He's not just our Savior. He's also our King, a Savior King. That's why we call Him Lord Jesus. Jesus is King. And to be King means He rules and reigns over our lives, doesn't He? Shouldn't He? Isn't it so easy for us as Christians sometimes in the church to, to live a life that shows so evidently that we rule our own lives, though, and not Jesus? Through our actions and attitude, we can wear the label Christian, but then live a life that clearly denies Jesus as our King and as our Christ? I mean, the Christian joyfully desires to, you know, when we think about the Christian life, we should joyfully desire to submit our lives before Him, to let Him rule, to let Him reign, because we trust Him, because He's a good King. Do you believe that about Him? Is He your King? Friends, let's be super vigilant about what the gospel message we're preaching and living by is. Let's be discerning about the voices out there, but also discerning about our very hearts. Too often our hearts will happily take Jesus as our Savior, but choose to reject Jesus as our King. Jesus must be our Christ overall, otherwise He's not Christ at all. As He he continues in verse 24 to 27, the message then is remain or abide in Jesus. Continue on and carry on in Him. I've got verse 24 and 27 on the screen. Let me read that to you. As, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Verse 27, as for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all the things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in Him. We don't need any other message. There is no better news than the good news, no new prophecies, no new formulas or secrets or new perspectives, as interesting as they might be, we have the Holy Spirit who points us to Jesus. We never go beyond Him. We never graduate from Christ. The Christian life grows deeper in Him. We want more and more of Jesus. That's the Christian life. 
Remaining in him is to persevere, living out our, our faith, anchored in Jesus as our unshakable foundation, the truth, the good news by which we live. Uh, in other translations, not, this is the NIV translation, but others say we abide in Jesus. That word there has this sort of, you know, remaining and persevering and standing firm in that idea of abiding in Jesus. You know, when anyone tells you that the Bible is now irrelevant, that it's ancient and outdated, we need to be on God, on God. We have the truth. We have Jesus. That's enough. The Holy Spirit has revealed the path to salvation in the gospel. Don't lose heart. When temptation comes your way, when all your friends or colleagues or, or social media is showing you a life that is better without Jesus, don't let your hearts be deceived. Don't be led astray. Jesus is the Christ. That's the good news. Remain in Him. And as verse 28, I've got this on the screen, as it tells us, and now, dear children, continue in Him so that when He appears, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. We want to persevere and continue in Him because there is a future hope. The future hope when we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, our salvation is in Him. We can stand before God confident and unashamed. Confident and unashamed because we'll be free from sin. Because of Jesus, we've been made clean. We're purified. We can stand in front of God because Jesus' blood has washed us. Because Jesus' blood has taken away our sin for us. Now, I know for many of us, we've all experienced shame in our lives at times, haven't we? We feel it when we fail, when we, we feel it when we, we feel like we're not good enough, when we can't meet people's expectations. I mean, we want to hide, don't we, when we feel shame with people in the room? When someone knows about you, when, when, when you've done something stupid or wrong to someone, you want to hide away from them. You don't want to be in the same room with them because you feel so ashamed. How much more than before God, as we stand before God? How much more would we want to hide from God? The God who has seen the sin of our hearts, who knows all my skeletons in my closet, who knows me behind closed doors when I'm in, in private, how could I even imagine showing my face before him? You know, here, John is sharing with us, when we have Christ, we can stand confident and unashamed. When we abide in Christ, when we pers persevere in him, the day when Jesus returns, we can stand before God and know we've been cleansed because Jesus was our substitute. That's all we can look forward to. Let that future reality then, that future hope shape how we're living today. The reason why we pursue righteousness, the reason why we want to pursue living in the light of God, as we heard in our last sermon, is because, because we've been born of Christ. Verse 29 says it, the pursuit of doing what is right is, is a clear marker that we've been born of Christ, born of God. We need, we need, that, to be, uh, we need that to shape how we're living. And that to be the filter, really, on, on the voices that are coming in, the voices that we're listening to. You see, we, we know we'll be on the right path when our heart continues to sing of how good Jesus is and how loved we are by the Father. When we're born of God, this is all we'll want to do. We'll want to talk about God. We'll want to sing about His goodness. Verse 29 to 31, I've got this on the screen. Let's read it. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of Him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. When, when was the last time that truth of being a child of God excited you that much? Excited you that much, like John, you'd use exclamation marks. 
Are you, are you ever that excited, knowing that God is your Father? What a privilege that is. We've been, that's, that's, wow, we've given a status higher than kings and queens and emperors and rulers, sons, we're sons and daughters of, of our Creator God. Let that sink in for a moment. Not only has Jesus brought us forgiveness, we've got forgiveness, yes, praise God for that, but now we've been bestowed this great privilege, this amazing privilege of being called His children as well. We should all, like John, be marveling at that truth, should be celebrating that. It means this passing temporary life, it doesn't define us. We're not defined by a career that keeps changing every few years, or the person you were when you were in high school. I've got this, uh, it's 21 years, 21-year reunion this year for my high school. I really don't want to go because I don't want people to remember me as I was in high school. That, and that shouldn't define me. That's, wow. Oh, you guys are probably calculating how old I am now. 21 years since I graduated high school. It's crazy. We're not defined, we're not defined by our marital status or by the color of our skin as defining as some of those things are. I was sent a meme by a friend the other day, and it said, hobbies men choose in their 30s. And they listed out hobbies like playing golf, smoking meat, collecting whiskey, cycling, <laughs> indoor rock climbing, caring about your lawn. Like, some of us here feel attacked, right? Because I know many of, the room, many of the men in the room, we have some of these hobbies, but don't worry. These things don't define us. We've got an identity that's even greater. A son and daughter of God. God didn't leave us to fend for ourselves. He brings us in. He makes us His children. We're loved by Him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. There is no greater status. What else can offer you more? When our friends tell us we're missing out, when, when the culture around us tells us that materialism or popularity or sex is going to meet all your needs and satisfy us, hold on to this glorious truth. Being one of God's children, that trumps anything else this world can ever offer us. Anything for, for John's church at the time that false teachers could offer them. When we can marvel at that truth, realizing the depth of His love for us, then we'll happily see Jesus as our Christ, as our King and as our Savior. We'll desire to pursue righteousness in our lives. We'll desire to be repentant of sin, to desire goodness and purity. Because Jesus is pure, and He's so worth living for. Are you living out of that identity? Living out the faithful Christian life as a child of God, repentance and obedience, abiding in Jesus, driven by His great love for us. To remain in Christ, to abide in Him, is to remain and persevere in God's love for us. See, what we believe about God is, it matters, doesn't it, to how we live. John finishes off this section with the idea that if we are in Jesus, our desire is to not keep on sinning. I mean, that would be really a direct, outright rejection of Jesus and who He is as our Christ. And so he does this contrast here, which is really quite harsh. I read this and I was like, wow, this is heavy. He contrasts those born of God and those born of the devil from verse 4 to 10. I'm just going to read a section of it for you, though, from verse 7 to 10. Chapter 3, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Now, while that might sound really harsh, we need to understand the contrast he's making here. 
Yes, we hear the word devil, and again, going back to the movies, red colored skin, horns, goatee, right? That's what our image is, generally. But that's not John's image of the devil. In the biblical text, we come across Satan, and we know him as the adversary, right? The one who opposes God. If God is truth, then Satan is the father of lies, the deceiver, right? So John makes this contrast because at the heart of it, those who continuously seek after sin and choose to reject Christ simply cannot be born of God. That's not the nature of a Christian, is it? That, though, is the nature of the devil, the one who has been sinning from the beginning, he says. You see, at the heart of sin is that defiance and rejection of God, the same trait that is shared with the devil. But we're born of God, which means naturally then our desires are no longer are to defy him, but to worship him. Now, verse 9 sounds a bit funny because he says that as children of God, we're, aren't, we're not able to sin. And while we wish that were true, I wish I couldn't, you know, I wish I was unable to sin anymore. We still will fall into sin at times, won't we? You know, I'm sure in, in the, the years that you've been a Christian, you, for me, I, know, I daily still struggle with the sin on my heart. But we also got to read this in context. Again, chapter 1, verse 10 talks about it. You can read that later. But it talks about how no one who claims to be without sin is walking in the light. We all have sin. What he's saying is that we'll never sin in the sense that we'll desert God completely like the Antichrist have. That's what he's saying. It's not about isolated incidents, but rather an overall lifestyle. The Christian will still struggle. 100%. We live in a fallen world stained by sin where trials and temptations are creeping around every corner. But if we truly put our faith in Jesus, if we truly call God our Father, we'll not continue living a lifestyle that rejects God. That just doesn't make sense, does it? But instead, it'll be a life of repentance and obedience, moving towards holiness from one degree of glory to another. No longer living and intentionally desiring to sin, but looking forward to God in the way we live for Him. You see, what he's doing is actually he's tying chapter 3 at the end here to 2 verse 19 that we read earlier. I've got it again on the screen just to remind you. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Once we belong to God, truly born of God, He won't let us fall away. By His Holy Spirit, through remaining in Christ, we'll be carried through until the day we get to stand before Christ, unashamed and confident. Yet until that day comes, we still need to be vigilant. We need to be discerning. We need to be responsible. We do have real decisions every day to make. And every day we need to abide and remain in Jesus, don't we? Because the truth is the voices of culture are loud, aren't they? Our peers, the voices that we listen to in the media amongst our non-believing friends and family, in the workplace, in our universities, in our just general society, they will show us this version of the good news that is far from the gospel of Jesus. They will give us a version that looks real and reachable and somewhat fulfilling and will tell you to give your life over to, it, over to it or you'll miss out. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what your heart is often tempted by to be led astray. But we all have something. I have something. There are things in my life that I'm always tempted. Oh, man, life would be better without God at times. No, that's a temptation. It's real, isn't it? We all have felt that way at times. But we need to stick on the... On the path most trodden this time. We need to follow Christ and stay and remain in Him. 
You know, it's, it's like all of life. I, when I travel or when I go hiking or whatever I do, I'm the type of person who hates sticking to the, to the path, right? If, you know, if, if, if there are tourists going that direction, I'm going the other direction. I don't want to go where they're going. I want to go down, down secret alleyways. I want to explore the town. I, wanna, I don't want to take the scenic route. I want to go and find those hidden gems. Go off, go off path, right? I always end up lost, but that's part, I just say that's part of the adventure. Getting lost is part of the adventure. You know, that's the exciting thing. And sometimes that's like life too. You know, you've been given this direction in life. You're like, ah, I'm going to go this way. We feel that way at times. And when it comes to the Christian faith, isn't that the temptation too? Tempted to go off track, thinking we'll find some new purpose to life, some sort of, some other gems here and there. But... The truth is, with the Christian faith, the path most trodden is where all the treasure is to be found, sticking with Jesus, because he's more than enough. He alone is the good news. You'll never grow tired of him. You'll never grow bored of him. You'll find treasure after treasure when you walk in Christ. And so this is my plea to our church, and this is my plea to my own heart. I preach every day to myself. We need to be discerning. We need to be wise as we listen to the voices around us. We need to hold fast to the truth, and we need to abide and remain and persevere in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come before you humbled and thankful for our salvation in Christ. May we never go beyond that truth, that we have everything we need in him. He's enough. May your spirit help us to remain and abide in him, to persevere in him, to keep running to him, wanting more of him in our lives. Give us ears and hearts that are discerning to all the voices that we hear and and to help us be firmly grounded, set on the truth that we have everything in Christ. May we strive for him. May your spirit help us to strive for him as our savior, our king, and 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 our Christ ultimately. So we pray this, Lord, in your precious name. Amen.